Hello, friends. Welcome to the Scripture Study Project, our podcast dedicated to helping you discover the scriptures in a fresh way, invest your mind and heart into your personal studies, and connect to God in your everyday life. We are Zach and Krista Horton, your your hosts of this show, and we are here today with actually what we're calling a bonus episode because we were not planning to do an episode this week or next week. Um with just we decided that we needed a break and we have a little bit of a break with easter and general conference right after one another there's been a couple of things going on in the world and our life just small things just a couple little things that you know (laughs) we weren't planning on and maybe we thought we'd take a break for a bit yeah no one else's lives have that either right (laughs) no but really we just um well we needed a break i think we were ready for a break Mm -hmm. but Um, it's a little too exciting. We couldn't help ourselves. We started thinking of like, oh, we need to share this on the podcast and um, wanted to just give you a heads up of what our plans are for the next week, couple weeks as well. Um, We will not, we are obviously doing an episode today and kind of a bonus episode just on general conference prep, um, the restoration and actually this block of scripture all in one. So (laughs) that's what you'll be hearing today. Next week, is going to be the Easter prep, right? The week after general or the day after general conference, we'll start that prep. We are not going to be giving out a new episode next week, but we have a great Easter episode last year. If you want to go back and listen to that, we did one on the Holy Week. Um, And there's tons of other great resources. You can just bask in the goodness of general conference that we're all so excited for. What an exciting week we have ahead of us as we get ready for that. Um, So that's what we want to talk about today. That is our update. And we just also wanted to wish you all well. We hope that everyone is safe out there. And as we kind of work through this crazy time together as a a country and world. um, So our prayers are with you for sure on that. You know, I, I should mention probably the kicker for the fact that we did this episode was me talking to my grandma and she said she listens to our podcast every week. And oh. so shout out, grandma, I love you. And uh, we did this one just for you to have one more episode <laughs> before we take a break. Yes, we are grateful for her for listening and for all of you out there um, who keep us going on this. And it's really fun for us too, so... Um, but here we go, right, Zach? Yes. Well, okay. part of the other reason why we wanted to do another episode was um, things have been swirling and coalescing for us over the past couple of weeks, and I'm sure we're the same for, for most everyone else. But there's some ideas that have solidified, and as we were talking together, they were so clear and so distinct that we knew we had to do this episode. I want to start with this. Um, you may have done this recently. But um, you at least remember it, in, at the closing session of the last general conference in October, President Nelson spoke, was the concluding speaker, and he announced temples and spoke a bit to the youth. And then he said this, The year 2020 will be designated as a bicentennial year. General conference next April will be different from any previous conference. Um, we've recited that to each other quite a lot and just asked, do you think President Nelson knew then what he was saying, how prophetic it would be? And, uh, I'm sure he knew. Did he have some inkling <laughs> of what was coming? Um, he called it a unique, asked us to prepare for a unique conference that will commemorate the very foundations of the restored gospel. 
Now, I've been thinking, we've been thinking over the past couple of days of those foundations of the restored gospel. We just spent today for our uh, Sunday church with our kids watching the Joseph Smith Prophet of the Restoration video. Um, and we reminded how crazy the world was, at least Joseph's immediate world was, um, in 1820, 200 years ago. Um, I want to read to you just a little bit of what that world was like. Um, in the Joseph Smith history that we have in our Pearl of Great Price, Joseph says, this is verse 8, During this time of great excitement, my mind was called up to serious reflection and great uneasiness. Now, of course, the thing that's causing so much uh, excitement and uneasiness in his world is the religious contention and fervor that's going on in his local area. Um, but the feeling that he's having is very similar to ones that we're probably having. In fact, um, in another transcription of that account, this is the 1832 uh, account of Joseph Smith's first vision, he explained it this way. At about the age of 12 years, my mind became seriously impressed with regard to the all-important concerns for the welfare of my immortal soul. I pondered many things in my heart concerning the situation of the world of mankind. My mind became exceedingly distressed, and I felt to mourn for my own sins and for the sins of the world. Now, as I was reading that, I was reminded of what Enos described from our study just this last week. This is Enos chapter 1, verse 2. I will tell you the wrestle which I had before God before I received a remission of my sins. Behold, I went to hunt beasts in the forest, and the words which I had often heard my father speak concerning eternal life and the joy of the saints sunk deep into my heart, and my soul hungered. And I kneeled down before my Maker, and I cried unto him in mighty prayer and supplication for my own soul. And all the day long did I cry unto him, yea, and when the night came, I still did raise my voice high that it reached the heavens. As we read those, as we reviewed them, it seemed so perfectly fitting for what we're going through today. Of course, those stories are always relevant because we always live in a crazy world with lots of questions. But now, with everything that's going on, with coronavirus and uh, economic concerns, um, facing a time that none of us have ever seen anything like it before, um, great excitement, uh, uneasiness, concern for our own souls and for the welfare of the world, that seems really, really relatable. And so when President Nelson says that this general conference will commemorate the very foundations of the Restoration, well, the emotional foundation of the Restoration is that uneasiness, that world weariness, uh, and the concern of a young man for his own soul and for the welfare of the world. The part, of course, that we love about the story is that Joseph and Enos both get answers to their questions. This is Enos. There came a voice unto me saying, Enos, thy sins are forgiven thee, and thou shalt be blessed. To Joseph Smith, the answer came, Joseph, my son, thy sins are forgiven thee. Go thy way, walk in my statutes, and keep my commandments. Behold, I am the Lord of glory. What we want to do this episode is this. Drawing on our study from last week in Enos, and our current ongoing study of the account of the first vision that President Nelson has asked us to review, 
what principles do we learn about receiving revelation, getting answers to questions that can help us get the most out of this upcoming general conference and help us make sense a little bit of what's going on in our own personal lives and in the world at large. And I might add to that, just generally speaking, how to get revelation. I think these are both great and beautiful examples of how people learn to talk with God. And as we've mentioned in previous episodes, and as you've certainly heard from the prophet, is how do we hear him? How do you come to know and understand what he's saying to you? So maybe I'll answer that question with another question is that maybe you've asked yourself is where do you go to receive this kind of revelation and what can we do to get there? Um, and I think that I've always loved thinking about Joseph Smith and him entering the sacred grove, that he found this quiet, beautiful place to go. Um, but the, the point that I guess we can think of is that the sacred grove wasn't sacred until before Joseph Smith walked into that grove. Um, it was a place that he had been working. One of the accounts of the first vision talks about him leaving his axe in a stump. So it was a nearby field that he had just been um, at a day's work in and decided that this was the time for him to go and seek God. Um, and I think I love the thought of um, thinking of how Enos did this and the similarities between them. Um, he went out to hunt. It was just for him another day at work. And he um, he says in verse 4, And my soul hungered, and I kneeled down before my Maker and cried unto him in mighty prayer. Um, and then he hears the voice of the Lord. And it, it is kind of this pattern of him just talking and, and going throughout the day. And it says things of, Then he walked, and he prayed and labored. And um, later on it says in verse 15, And I cried unto him continually. If you haven't already watched the Book of Mormon video that they produced for Enos, I thought it was so cool the way that they showed this pattern of him in different areas walking and still conversing with the Lord, that um, the Lord is with him throughout all of his work. And I know Joseph would say the same. Um, and I think for us, certainly we want to find moments of stillness. Certainly we can we can have revelation when we're um, sitting in a very still place in your bedroom quietly, um, but also recognize that revelation happens all around us and that God is with us continuously. Um, I think of myself as, as a young mother, um, and I think, yeah, it, it does get crazy. And probably you're feeling that right now too, because we have no schedules and our kids are home with us all day. So certainly it's crazy. But you better believe that this is the time that God is going to want to talk to you. If there was ever a time that he wants to be close to his children or to someone who's saying, I need help because I need to know what to do with my kids or I need to do it with my family right now because it's hard, um, he's going to want to talk to you. Just the way he talked to these, these people, Joseph Smith and Enos, while they were working, um, he's going to talk to us while we're at, at a great work for him as well. I love that idea. I love that... Um... It's not that Joseph goes into a quote-unquote sacred grove. It's that what happens in the grove makes it sacred. Uh, and you and I were talking earlier about how right now in our homes, when we are all home and we're all together, um, can we create experiences, even revelatory experiences with our families, especially as we get ready for General Conference and have General Conference weekend next weekend, can we create moments that turn our homes into sacred groves? 
and they may still be noisy, at least our house almost always is nowadays, and they may still be uh, filled with activity, but it doesn't mean that they can't be also filled with the Spirit. I've always loved that from the Bible dictionary that talks about that the home is the only thing comparable to the temple in holiness. And what an important time for that to be a true thing for us when even temples have to be closed. This is the place that's holy. We can find that um, when we're at home, even when our whole family's at home trying to do homework and work and all of the daily tasks that we need to get done, that, that God is ready to answer us on the go and wherever we are. One of the, the point that I liked um, that I found in both Enos and in Joseph Smith's accounts is their progression of concerns. We know this from Enos that he first goes in and prays for his own forgiveness, for his own soul. Then he prays for the forgiveness of his his brethren, the Nephites, he says in verse 9, for his family, those that he's closest to. And then in verse 11, um, having heard all that he's heard and how generous and grateful or gracious the Lord is, he wants that same blessing for the Lamanites. And so he prays for others. Joseph Smith does the same thing. Uh, that 1832 account I love because it mentions that phrase that he has uh, concern for the world of mankind. Um, and if you think that's too big of a thought for a teenager, I teach teenagers for a living. And one of the things I love most about them is um, they do think a lot and worry a lot about the world. They have very expansive concerns. Um, they, their hearts hurt when they set, sense injustice or when they sense pain for their peers or for others around the world. And so the idea of a teenager caring for what's happening in the world makes sense to me because I, I've experienced that with the ones that I teach. I think there's a pattern here for us, especially relevant as we're going through what we're going through, that first of all, we take care of ourselves. And I know there's a lot out there on how we take care of ourselves physically during coronavirus, you know, wash your hands and social distancing and cough into your elbow, etc., which is wonderful. But no one's really talking about how to take care of yourself mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And that, I propose, is just as important as taking care of ourselves physically. Once we are doing that we can then better or better enabled to help take care of our family and our loved ones that are close to us. Again, not just physically, but emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. And then we can reach out and start taking care of others. And those things may happen simultaneously. Um, but as we prepare for general conference, one of the ways that I, one of the principles I guess I learned from the story is um, we can get answers to our personal, to our family, and to our questions for the world. Um, as we seek not just to take care of ourselves and others physically, but mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. I think all of those things apply to that airplane um, analogy where, you know, you put on your mask first so that you're prepared to be and better equipped to help those around you. That if you really have that, um, that personal relationship and conviction, it's so much easier to then go out and serve and help. Well, and just from our own lives, we've experienced that this week, that uh, the first couple of days of everyone being home, it was like, hey, this is exciting. This is fun. Look, we're all home. And, and then after a couple of days, we realized, oh, we are all of us, not just us, but our kids as well. We're going to need some individual time to just breathe and have some space. And building that in has been a little bit difficult, especially with the social distancing restrictions and things. But 
that's one of our commitments coming up into this next week is how can we find some space and time where we can uh, all be <laughs> take care of ourselves a little bit in addition to taking care of our families and others. Well, this next um, point that I wanted to share um, started from an article that is on the same subject from El- President Eyring in the February 2020 Enzyme. And he, he brought up the point um, as he's talking about how to learn revelation from Joseph Smith. He talks about, well, I'm just going to quote him. He says, Joseph Smith, Joseph had a broken heart. He wanted forgiveness of sins and weaknesses, which he knew could only come through Jesus Christ. And we know that um, Joseph Smith says, I cried into the Lord for mercy, for there was none else to whom I could go and obtain mercy. Um, and then you see Enos having this same thing. This, these same feelings. He says, And my soul hungered, and I kneeled down before my Maker, and I cried unto him in mighty prayer and supplication for mine own soul. And all day long did I cry unto him. Um, this similarity is that they both had this humility, I guess is the word, or a broken heart. I like the way that President Irene put that. This broken heart, this humility, this... Um, longing to know that God was okay with them, which I think is something that all of us have felt or feel maybe even on a daily basis. Am I seen? Do I do? Is he okay with how I'm living my life right now? Um, and I think that's a great start um, to these um, Joseph's and Enos's experience with, with God, this humility that they came to him, that they came with as they pray to him. Um, well, and that idea of humility, um, they recognize God's greatness and his power and they're um, willing to submit themselves to him. I love at the end of Omni when the um, writer Malachi just says, come unto Christ, who's the Holy One of Israel, partake of his salvation and the power of his redemption Come unto him and offer your whole souls as an offering unto him and continue in fasting and praying and endure to the end. And as the Lord liveth, you shall be saved. That offering a whole soul seems like a really humble action that comes from a humble heart. And that's what Joseph and Enos are doing. I'm offering up my whole soul, my desires, my pleas, my cares, and I'm I'm casting them upon the Lord and asking for his help. Well, maybe that even goes back to your last point, Zach, about that taking care of yourself first. I think that's a real desire and a real need is that we we understand how God sees us and really recognize the role that he plays. Um, and what a great place to start when you are looking um, looking for God in your life and who is he and um, what are you going to do with him? How are you going to hear him? And what are you going to do when he tells you these things? Um, these men had great experiences with God when they started with that. And I think it's a great place for us to start too. The final point that I have, and, and maybe the one that we close with here, is the very first verse in Enos. This phrase has been stuck in my mind for weeks now. And I think it's a really appropriate description for what many, if not all of us, are experiencing with what we're going through right now. Um, Enos 1 verse 1. Behold, it came to pass that I, Enos, knowing my father that he was a just man, for he taught me in his language and also in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I've loved that phrase for a long time. 
I love the balance that it conveys about God, that he is both admonishing, uh, he's a God that is interested in our growth, and that sometimes that growth requires chastisement, sometimes it requires consequences, just as any father or mother does to their children. But he's also, of course, a very nurturing and caring God. Right on the heels of Jacob 5, where we have the story of the master of the vineyard nurturing constantly his trees, but also cutting off their branches, pruning them, um, spreading their branches into the vineyard and grafting other branches from the vineyard back in. I think Enos uh, puts that whole principle into this wonderful little phrase, the nurture and admonition of the Lord. As I've thought about it, I think the reason why it stuck in my head and has repeated itself so constantly is because that's been my experience going through um, everything that's happened in the world over the past couple of weeks. There are, of course, some, or there is, I guess, there has to be in what we're experiencing, some admonition from the Lord. Um, if you read the Book of Mormon, um, God is in control all the time. Nothing happens accidentally. And so the fact that this is happening right now um, means that it is happening under God's watch and under his eye. It's not an accident that the world is experiencing what it's, what it's experiencing. Now, that's a different thing from saying that God is causing this. Sometimes we make that error when we say just because God allows something is not the same thing as God causes something. I'm not saying that God infected people with coronavirus or that he started a disease. But he does let the world experience turmoil and grief and problem because in that turmoil, a lot of times comes needed admonition. Um, we learn things about ourselves, about our families, about our lifestyle that is not compatible with God's commandments. And again, you see that in the Book of Mormon. It's in times of famine or in times of war that the Nephites will humble themselves get rid of their pride and their possessions sometimes, and come to God. That's the admonition side of it. And I think it's really fitting for us to look at what's going on in the world and ask ourselves, what is it that the Lord might admonish me or admonish my family to do? What is it that I can be learning from this? To use Jacob's or Zenus's allegory, what branches do I need to cut off? And some of them are being cut off for us, right? A lot of us are spending far less time outside of the home, um, we were talking earlier about how uh, spending, uh, overspending money is difficult during this time. We might be conserving more of our money. Um, and so some of the branches are being cut off for us, but there might be some places where we say, because of what's going on, we're going to accept the admonition of the Lord and make some changes. However, the other side of that is also true, that in this there is nurture. And if there's a testimony that I have, it's that we have felt so loved and cared for by God. Um, there have been just so many tender little moments, beautiful moments with our children, as, as exhausting as it's been, uh, little beautiful moments in our home, outside of our home, as we're walking around, as we're interacting with each other, as we're studying the scriptures, as we're having the sacrament at home, as we're spending more time with each other in meaningful ways. Um, there have been some wonderful nurturing moments. And so I, I love that idea that in this in any kind of trial that we face, there is both admonition, a place for admonition, and a place for nurture. As we head into general conference, I think two really good questions that we could take in with us are, what would the Lord have me change, alter, or stop in my life? That's the admonition side. 
And what is the Lord doing to nurture and care for me? That's so good. I think that's even certainly a way that um, we can sometimes receive revelation is that that admonition that we need to change and do better, but also that that thought of remembering how much the Lord guides and leads us and protects us as we try and change and become better from those things. Um, you guys, we are just grateful. We're excited. Thank you for listening to this episode. Um, and we hope that your week is a good one. We hope that you can find um, some time to prepare for general conference. And I really think it's going to be memorable, <laughs> just like <laughs> President Nelson said. And um, and then, like we said, no episode ne- next week. But So we're going to wish you a happy Easter. Um, and as you begin preparing your family for probably an Easter at home, Um, what a great time to make that a very holy week in your home Um, so many great things going on in the next couple weeks so we hope that you um, have a couple beautiful weeks and we'll see you in or we'll talk to you we'll hear from each other in a couple weeks thanks so much 